Hola, mi amigos. Rusty here with the Bytecast. This is episode number five, and we're talking all about backups. Why should you do them? What options are available? How do you scale for the size of your organization? These questions are answered and more. All you have to do is keep listening. I will have links to go with the podcast uh, for the things we talk about up on the blog, thebytecast.wordpress.com. Eric tried to be on the podcast this week again, uh, but he entered himself into an unfortunate alligator wrestling match and double booked. Uh, Have no fear, though. We promise he'll make an appearance soon. Make sure you listen to next week's podcast as Clyde himself comes back to the great state of North Dakota. We're not sure yet what we're going to talk about, but I'm pretty sure it'll be entertaining at the very least, and we might have uh, special guests on the show as well. Uh, For those of you that like the shorter, closer to half hour podcast, we're sorry, but this podcast ran a little longer than the rest, Uh, but hang in there. I know you can stick it out to the end. Clyde, hit play. Two days, and you're back in no day. <laughs> yes, visiting. Uh, how does it, how does that make you feel? <laughs> it makes me feel full of joy. Wow, I suddenly <laughs> feels like I'm uh, visiting a therapist or something. Considering our previous <laughs> conversations, <laughs> I shouldn't put it like that. Nice. We'll see how it goes. It's it'll be nice to be home and. And see old friends, and or just see friends and see family. So, this is our second take of this podcast. Um, obviously, Clyde, you and I both know what happened. To the listeners out there, hopefully this one goes a little better than our last attempt. Ooh, can I tell them? We had some... Oh, you can. Since you can. it's my fault. Okay. See, I'm actually enjoying this. Why can't I enjoy other things? And you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> like I'm enjoying doing this. <laughs> okay, anyways... For the people that want to know, I run, or they probably don't want to know, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyways. I run (laughs) Linux at home, and I run a certain application and through Windows, and because of that, my uh, I have two Windows VMs, and that's what I was using to record Audacity on. And basically, the microphone was uh, fighting between the host and the the VM that we were using, and. Poor Rusty, it actually started last week when we were talking and it cut out, and it only did it the one time out of four shows, and the fifth show, it apparently decided to do it all the time, so after 15 minutes, we gave up, I begged Rusty for forgiveness, and here we are, trying again. (laughs) Obviously, I have forgiven you since we are here right now. (laughs) Because we're friends. We're friends. Yay for friendship. (laughs) See, and this is what I was talking about. I was, you know, when we all for when I, we started talking about this, I was like, by the fourth or fifth show, we're going to have some riv- rhythm to this, and I think this is what we've got. Yes, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Okay, <laughs> it's definitely going a lot more fluently than it was before. Uh, or, like I said before, it's it's hard to feed off of each other because you're not here and I'm not there, so we can't see each other. Um, you don't have a webcam on your end. I've got one, but even that, you know, you can't give the verbal cues as well. And as somebody sitting right here, where you can just look at them and point at them, and you know, get the back and forth going. So it's hard to hold the whole conversation about one topic back and forth without everybody being present. But we're working through it, and we're getting there. I hope everybody's enjoying what we're doing and what they're getting to listen to the product that we're producing. <laughs> So, um, so this is week five of, of the Bytecast Weekly, and we're going to talk all about backups today. Uh, we mentioned this in a previous podcast, and it's one of those things where we touched on it, but uh, we both felt that, you know, this is a big thing for people, and we really need to give dedicate a whole episode to it. Um, 
You know, and some of you listening may think, yeah, backups, no shit, dummy. You know, uh, but some people listening might think, you know, oh, I'm doing this kind of backup, but there's more options maybe I don't know about. So maybe this is going to be helpful for you. Maybe not. I really don't care. We're going to do it anyways. So first question of the night, Clyde, what are backups? Go. Backups are, was that meant to be or was that rhetorical? However you want to take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Backups are basically just a copy of your information so that you do not lose them. Well, and why should you do backups, Clyde? In case you have a data loss or in case you delete something. More often than not, probably it's because a user deletes something and then you're out of that data. You're recreating that work. Yeah, and that sucks. Um, I, you know, and I almost forgot this when we first tried the podcast uh, earlier this week. Uh, but it was a quip that I had heard several years ago, and I live by this at work uh, and in my side business as well. And that's it. There's two types of people out there, Clyde. Those that have lost data and those that, those that are going to lose data. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no in-between in that. Everybody loses data at some point. Mm-hmm. So backups, backups, backups. Um, there's several kinds and ways to do backups. They come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. And we're just going to start at the bottom, maybe the home user, work our way up to the small business, uh, medium business, and then we'll go up to large enterprise. And we'll just kind of touch on what's available out there, maybe what you should be doing uh, to, to save your data. <clears throat> so for your home users out there that are listening, um, most of you probably know what external hard drives are. Um, you know, they're about the size of your cell phone anymore. Uh, the prices have dramatically dropped on them. I mean, you can get a one terabyte or a two terabyte external hard drive for under 150 bucks. Um, basically it's just a USB port acts kind of like a big flash drive. All you gotta do is plug it in and it shows up and you can just copy your data over to that. Um, I wouldn't recommend moving your data to it. Simply because then you're just putting yourself in the same position. If the external fails, you're going to lose everything. Okay? Um, So if you have the copy on your local computer and a copy on an external, you've got what we like to call redundancy. And redundancy is just a nice way of saying that it's redundant. You have two copies of it, so if one goes away, you still have another one to work off of and then create another backup off of that. Now... For the home user, you you get into the question of, well, do you buy two externals to have two duplicates? Um, In some sense, that's what I do, Clyde. Mm. I have two external hard drives, and one stays at home with me and one stays at work. Once a month, I bring my one from work home with me, and then I make a duplicate of my home hard drive, and I bring it back to work, and I put it back in the drawer and lock it up. Uh, one, then it's not always powered on and plugged on and, you know, wearing out the life of it uh, in the hard drives and the power supply and what have you. I mean, shit dies as it gets old. <clears throat> and to aid in this process, uh, there's all kinds of free software out there that'll do automatic syncing for you. Um, I, I happen to be a big fan of a program called SyncBack, uh, which I will throw on the blog, folks. And it's by a company called Two Bright Sparks. It's pretty simple. You just go in, you set your source, maybe it's your computer or your external, and then you set your destination, another external or uh, another, you know, you're back to your computer, whatever it may be. And you can put it on a schedule, you can run it manually, and you can tell it, you know, hey, every time I run this, I want it to do a full backup, delete everything on the external and recopy everything brand new. Or... I want it to look and see what has changed in the last you know month since I ran my last backup and only copy over the new stuff just to make sure I have everything. We'll get into what that's called a little bit later on. Uh, Clyde, what do you do for backups at home? At home? Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a 1.5 terabyte drive and I carry that around. Um, let me rephrase that. I ca- I keep that at work right now. I don't carry it around wherever I go. Um, I should probably probably have another one and back that up, but I don't. Um, 
I came to the conclusion a while a while ago that if those are lost, even though it's movies and uh, items with PeopleSoft, that it's fine. I'm at the point where the certain documents that I have, like my resume and cover letters, those I either carry, keep on Google Drive, or keep copies of those in my email so I can access them anywhere. And for me, for me, it's really just the fact that I cut down a lot, cut, cut down on how much information I had. But I still, yes, I have that external drive. Okay. Um, there are now, obviously, much more in abundance. To the cloud, Clyde, we go. <laughs> and this kind of crosses the bridge from home user into, you know, small and maybe medium business. Uh, there's all kinds of cloud services out there now, out on the web, that you can pay a monthly or yearly fee to. And they're pretty reasonable, pretty affordable for the home user, you know, and uh, once you move up into a business, uh, obviously the rates are scaled for how much data you'll be backing up and how many machines you'll be backing up. But, um, mm -hmm. I mean, services, you hear the commercials all the time for like Carbonite or CrashPlan, Mosey Pro, Acronis, AVG now has one called LiveKey, uh, Spider Oak is a new one that's kind of came into play in the last five years. Um and you know what? You, you you pay your fee, you install it on your computer, and most of them you you can specify what you want to back up, or you can just tell it, hey, you scan my computer, any pictures and audio that you find, back it up to the web, put it out there in the cloud, and it just runs constantly all day. If I download a new song, it grabs it right away, puts it up there, it's backed up. My computer crashes, I can restore those files back out of the cloud down to that PC. Uh, it's they're pretty slick services, and like I said, they're scaled. You know, for for small businesses, um, you've seen it and used it, Clyde. I've got several customers myself that use them, mm -hmm. um, and they are they're handy and they're peace of mind and their assurance, especially for a business where your income depends on those files that you have. And if you lose those files, it can cost you downtime, which costs you money. So. You know, it's so easy and so cheap to just put it on your main server or on everybody's desktop in the office if you don't have a server and just back everybody's stuff up. If somebody's machine fails, you can go grab those files out of there and bring them down to your own machine and keep working. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the big thing. You just you want to keep working. So outside of, of that, we'll move up to Enterprise Clyde here. and We've both dealt with this a lot. Um, you've seen it obviously, you know, every day, uh, when you worked here in the state, uh, and now out in Boston, I'm sure you see it with the company you're with now, but larger enterprise backup solutions. Uh, you know, what, what do people out there use for large enterprise? How do they back up their data? Um, yeah, they're spending the money on the enterprise applications because they have, you know, let's be honest, there's no other, there's no other alternative or else you're going to be having FTEs running what Windows backup or making tar files on Linux machines all day. Um, I started with my experience goes all the way from Veritas net backup to um, which makes a is a backup program and it will make a backup of your entire file system like the other ones do but it also has a uh, plugin that you can buy from the company so that it will uh, make a backups of your databases as well if you schedule those um, to red you know SQL Redgate which is a back uh, SQL server backup da SQL server database backup to honestly I'm not even sure at uh, where I'm currently at because it's hard to get answers three quarters of the time um, <laughs> to be honest with you my servers probably aren't being backed up although I do know the SQL servers are but those programs offer more flexibility, um, more power, more just more ability for the administrator to do what they need to do. Um, with that, there's different types of backups. Um, you have your full backups, which is generally what a home user is going to do and what you and I do all the time. And to save disk space from your full backups, you have a differential backup, which just copies what what has changed since uh, what what has changed 
and that uh, that that includes that works for your file system and your databases. So let's say you have a full backup that runs on a Sunday. Um, you know, a database will change throughout that entire week, or else it should, or else that bit, that database is not being utilized too much. And uh, a differential runs on Friday and it crashes on Saturday, and you have to restore that. You're just going to be restoring uh, restoring the the Sunday backup and the the Friday backup. Um, and then you can do a point in time, as you know, Rusty. So where you can get within a ha- within half hour increments. Um, so. Those are the, those are the types of backups that I'm familiar with and how how they work and and uh, it it works well. Um, otherwise, like I said, you know, what do you what other options do you have? You're you'll be using uh, utilizing an FTE to always run commands and run Windows jobs to make backups of software, and that that that's not productive at all. Right. Well, and so <clears throat> with the the agency that I work for. You know they run they run another variation of a uh, server based on prem backup solution called uh, Tivoli or Tivoli however you want to say it and like you said it, it's scalable it's nice it uh, every day somebody comes down to my desk and says I was working on this file and somebody must have walked into my cube and hit the <laughs> delete key because I didn't do it and it, it's like you said I can go. Log into Tivoli, uh, get the calendar out, pick my day, pick my time, find the most recent backup, hit restore, and it's right back in that folder on my network share uh, where it was before. Granted, yeah, if if it's doing like say every six hours, it's checking and rebacking up things, you know, incrementally uh, or differentially, how you know. Um, there's a chance that they're going to lose some of the data that they worked on that day, but it's better than losing the data that they worked on last week. Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously for enterprise, most places are going to go with an on-prem solution. Uh, licensing costs get to be a big deal when you're dealing with enterprise systems. Uh, cloud services just don't offer that much storage and the kind of bandwidth needed to move terabytes of data a night, uh, you know, up up to their their data server, uh, their server farm, you know, somewhere across the nation, and to buy what you need and install it and have it locally, now you're out of having to pay a monthly or a yearly fee outside of what you may be paying for software assurance costs to that company to make sure you're getting the updates and new features and things like that. Granted, you're also going to run into hardware costs. Uh, you're going to need a server and a server with a lot of storage, you know, and a SAN on the network um, to, to house all of this data. Um, the agency I work for is one agency in a much larger statewide network, and that's a lot of data being backed up every day and every night. Um, the amount of SAN storage they have to have is is ridiculous. I mean, my agency alone has anywhere between three to five terabytes at a time sitting in storage. And I, I got to imagine that other agencies are in the same boat that we are. Nobody likes to delete things. We have files from 20 years ago. And <laughs> pictures. Oh my God, pictures. I don't know when it became so popular for people have to take pictures to go with their document that they typed up. But they take up space, all kinds of space. Um, we have somebody that works in our agency that also does a lot of uh, kind of recording uh, history stuff for the agency. So every time we do something or have a disaster or whatever, they're always around taking pictures or taking videos now. And those are huge files. And so on, on the larger IT side, you got to have a lot of storage on-prem to handle that. And that's more hardware and now you got to pay somebody to maintain that for you. And if you listened to our podcast last week about the cloud, you know exactly what we're talking about. You've got costs on-prem, but you've got licensing reoccurring costs to the cloud. At some point, it's probably just a wash and comes down to personal preference, whether you want it on-prem or not. You know, I like my servers in hugging distance, Clyde. <laughs> so, 
as you mentioned, uh, you know, there's there's different types of backups. Full backups, obviously, it's what it is. Um, there's incremental and differential backups as well. Uh, incremental are changes made since the last backup. So if I did a full backup on Sunday, and then I go to make a backup on Monday night, it looks and says, well, these are the only eight files that changed in that day. Back up those eight files. The next day, same thing. Uh, differential is a very similar process. It makes backs up all the changes made since the last full backup was completed. Uh, lots of agencies use a combination of all three. They do a full, they do incrementals, and then they do a differential as well. And they have multiple copies of the backups. I'm just hoping that they've got multiple copies of the copies of the backups. <laughs> so, um, you know, and we talk about all the sand storage that you need. And I, I wrote this down as a thought, Clyde, and tell me if I'm wrong or if you agree, but <clears throat> so your sand has to be redundant also. You can't just back up everybody's shit, put it on this box, and then call it good enough. That box has to be backed up somewhere else as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's hard. You're not going to run your on-prem backup solution to back up that SAN to another SAN. You know, that would not be cost-effective at all. Um, so then you start getting into different types of uh, internal component backups such as raids or ghosting. Uh, Clyde, do you guys do any ghosting, or did you at your last job either? Um, the ghosting, no. Um, our, our SAN, which is, uh, you know, and why is the, just so I say this, and I want to say it for the customers, but what does SAN mean again? Stor and you know I know this. Storage area network. Thank you. <laughs> um, it was one of those things that was just escaping me for the minute. <laughs> um, I have no idea what we have right now. Um, like I said, getting those answers is a little bit difficult. Um, our uh, our SAN that we had at ITD, if I remember right, we had the data center in Bismarck with uh, a SAN that was mirrored. As far as I know, it was mirrored. And then that was being, uh, another one in Mandan was being put into place to mirror that as well. So they were doing a good job on that end. Yeah, and, you know, I don't even have that on my hot sheet here, but uh, we'll talk disaster recovery at the end of this and uh, touch on that a little bit. So in in my server room right now, we have a lot of equipment from third-party vendors as well that we pay for their services and their equipment to use. Um, one vendor in particular comes down once a month and physically ghosts the machine. Now, for those of you that don't know what that is or what that means, they're coming down, they're taking the machine offline, uh, you know, putting in, like, say, a Linux Live disk uh, or something to that effect. They're bringing it back up on that OS, and the, the current hard drives that are in that server are uh, not functioning at that point because they're running off of RAM. And they make what they call a ghost, which is just an exact duplicate of the current state of the hard drives. And they plug in their external drive to that server, and they run their ghosting program, which looks at, you know, hard drive one, the C drive and the D drive maybe on there, those partitions, and it just makes a huge snapshot of the whole thing and then puts it on that external. They take the external back to their office. It's great because... If that hard drive fails or the RAID that's in there fails and the whole server goes down, all they've got to do is put in new hard drives and repaste that ghost image just onto those hard drives and you're back up and running. Um, we're not storing any data on some of those servers, so we're not having to back up flat files and databases and things like that. It's just services that are running that we need. So a ghost is a good option for that. Um, for those of you that may not be familiar with Linux Live Disks, and I know, Clyde, you've been getting more and more into this, uh, there's several distros out there, distributions, uh, parted image, clonezilla, redo, and basically they'll do that just for you. You can even ghost your home laptop and save a snapshot of your hard drive right to an external. 
you know, in case something fails and you blue screen and you crash out, you can restore it and it's quick and it's pretty painless for the most part. You're not going to ghost the SAN because that's a lot of data to try and make a snapshot of. And then where are you going to put that large of a snapshot at? You're going to have to build another SAN to put it on. <laughs> um, so when you're coming to the SAN and you got to back that up, you're looking at internal RAIDs. Now, what a RAID is for everybody. Uh, Clyde, did you guys use a lot of RAIDs, obviously, uh, when you worked here? Uh, pretty much I've worked the last 10 years has been RAID 5 or RAID 10. Okay. Um, so there, there's several variations of RAID. RAID 0 is all it does, they call it striping. And all it is is if I put five terabyte drives into a server, it puts them all together and says, hey, you have five terabytes of storage. Makes it look like one large drive. The problem is if one of those hard drives fails, I lose everything because everything is spread out across those five drives and I need all five drives there to recover and, and pull up and open my data. Uh, RAID 1, as I've noticed, is getting more and more common in not just servers, but even desktops that you can order from HP or Dell or whomever. And RAID 1 is just a mirror. You have two hard drives in the system. You operate off of one. And whatever that hard drive does, it just clones itself to the second hard drive. In the event one or the other fails, you can just bring the machine back up on the other hard drive. So Clyde, you guys use RAID 5 and 10, uh, probably 6, somewhere along the way. You want, you want to talk about those and discuss uh, what that is and how that works? Right, yeah. Um, I just want to talk about the, mention about the mirror though, of that with writing from one drive to another, that actually takes, makes your computer work a little bit more. Not that you'll probably see that, but it, it, is, an, it is a point of contention. Well, with yeah. The, you uh, and system administrators, right? Right. Well, so to touch on that real quick, so I just ordered a new server for one of my customers that you're familiar with, Clyde. Mm -hmm. And so when I ordered that that little uh, server workstation, power station, whatever you want to call it, um, I put two hard drives in that and they're mirrored. Right, right when I got the machine and fired it up, it was pretty slow and laggy because it was the first boot the machine had had. And so for the first five or six hours, it was trying to clone everything that was on there, the OS all the files, everything to that second drive. Once it caught up and they were at an even point, and now it's it's running smooth like silk. Mm -hmm. So, uh, not to cut you off, but you can continue. <laughs> no, no, that's that's why I did this because I want to hear those and I want to get those items out there for our listeners. Um, RAID five um, just requires three drives, provide and it provides uh, for now. Help me out here. It provides failure. You say it provides failure up to one. The way I know of RAID 5, and I have not done hardware really, now that I think about it, in five years. Um, let me point, paint a visual first. RAID 5, with our servers, what you're going to see, or with servers in general, these hard drives are pretty big, pretty bulky. They're hot swappable so that you can hit the button, pull them out while the, hard, while the machine is still on. At least this is generally the direction servers have gone. And slide a new one in. While it's while it, like I said, it's still on. If a hard drive goes out, a big red light will be on it or be blinking, telling you that there is an issue. Um, so, my experience in RAID five is I've actually lost a couple, uh, two in my experience, because two hard drives have gone out in a RAID five in RAID five. So that just left it down to one. Um, does that sound right, Rusty? Uh, it sounds more like a RAID 6 to me, and I know that's pretty common uh, for where it used to work. Uh, most of our servers that we order through them and get from them are all set up in a RAID 6, which allows a two-drive fail. Hmm. So, typically a RAID 5, it requires at least three drives, and you can have one fail, because it, it's hard to describe without looking at an image of this, folks. Uh, I've got a link with some good diagrams on it. You can go check it out uh, on the blog. Um, basically, if I have a file and I put it on, and I have, say, three drives, and they're set to be a RAID 5, and I put that file on one drive, it splits it up into, say, six different pieces. Okay, 
It puts three different parts of the file across the three different drives. And then it makes kind of a reverse parody of that where now it takes the other six pieces that it broke off, which are just copies of the first three pieces, and puts them on opposite drives. So now if I have one drive fail and I, I hot swap that out and I put in a new blank drive, it can look at drive one and it finds you know the first part of it, it looks at drive two, finds the second part of the file, and then says, well, drive three is the part we're missing. It then goes and looks at drive one or two and says, do either one of you have a copy of that part three that was out there? It says, yep, we've got it. And then it rebuilds that third part and puts it on that third hard drive. Um, RAID 6 is almost identical to that, but you require four drives to start and can expand up to however many drives you want. Um, I've got two servers at work running 24 hard drives each server. So I've got about 48 terabytes of storage in them, in each one. Mm -hmm. And it, it works the same premise as the RAID 5, where it breaks up all the files evenly to spread them across all the drives, and then makes a copy of all 24 little pieces, and then mixes those up among the other drives. So if one drive fails, or in the case of a RAID 6, if two drives fail and you put two new drives in there, it can look at the other drives and find the pieces and the copy of the pieces that are missing and then rebuild them, uh, which is why a RAID 6 requires at least four drives and a RAID 5 only requires three drives. Yeah, you can tell it's been a while since I've had to worry about uh, <laughs> hard drives and servers like in that regard. <laughs> well, and it's nice. I, the, those two servers that I was mentioning are in a data closet in a building uh, where there's no ventilation and ductwork in there, and it's a horrible place for them. But they're in there for a good reason and a good purpose, and some people don't know they're in there, and that's why they're in there. Mm -hmm. And so in the summertime when it gets hot in the building, and then all that heat generated by those servers and the switching equipment, the networking equipment in that room, the hard drives heat up exponentially, and we start failing drives every summer. Mm -hmm. And the closest I've got to a downtime is I had two drives fail on the same day in one of those servers. And let me tell you, <laughs> they failed within a half hour of each other, and I was in the maddest dash possible <laughs> to find blank hard drives and drive my ass over there across town and get up there into that closet to get those two drives in. Right. And with 50 terabytes of data, it takes almost 24 hours to rebuild those two drives. That was the longest night of my life worrying that I was going to wake up and another drive would have failed before the other two were rebuilt, and then we lose everything on that server. All right. So RAID 6 is nice because if you have one drive fail, you've at least got that assurance of, well, while that one's rebuilding, I can still have another one fail and be okay. One of them, when I was in Arizona, I forget the customer name, but all of those servers had RAID 5 or... Raid 10, base, uh, base, depending on what the customer wanted. With that, it was Constar now that I think about it. But with that, they also spent the money on... Uh, have you ever heard of System Live State Recovery? Yes, I have. Yeah, that's a, that's, an, that's a program. It's an enterprise application much that, that allows you to go to do ghosting on the servers while they're running. And... It literally takes a few minutes to make an image of those hard drives and literally takes four or five minutes to restore them on a hard drive. And that's, in all of my years, that was probably the sickest, slickest process I've ever seen. And probably the only time my jaw was on the floor. And I once I saw those servers reboot. <laughs> Great program. I would suggest anyone <laughs> buying it if they have the, pro if they have the money. <laughs> if it's still out there, I haven't even used Like I said, it, that was uh, seven years ago. If I can, uh, if we find it, I'll put the link for it up on the blog um, so everybody can check it out. I'm sure the licensing costs are nothing that the home user or small business can probably afford, but... Oh, no, no. That's, that's like I said, that's an enterprise-level program. <laughs> um, but definitely something that every administrator can would want. I could see that. But I guess now we've gotten to VMs, and that's a little different. Right. Um, so something I forgot to mention about RAID 5 and RAID 6, uh, and this goes for RAID 10 as well, which I'll explain next, but uh, 
Um, I said RAID 0, say you got three hard drives or five hard drives, and they're one terabyte each. That gives you five terabytes of storage. When you have a RAID 5, and it requires three drives, let's just say you put five in there, you're not going to get five terabytes of storage because it has to block off a part of each drive for those copies and pieces that it's making of the other drives. So if I put in five one terabyte drives into a RAID 5, I'm probably only going to get, you know, four or three terabytes of usable space. As I go up to a RAID 6, I obviously lose even more because it has to reserve more space to be able to restore from two drives. So each drive has to have kind of duplicate copies of everything. So five drives in a RAID 6, I might only get two or two and a half terabytes of storage out of five one terabyte drives. Now, a RAID 10 is real common. Um, it requires four drives, and it's mirrors that are striped. It's the best redundant option you can get uh, in terms of internal hard drives, but the cost is a lot greater to get the space you need. Um, like I said, you're going to lose space with the greater redundant option that you go with. Well, here you're taking, let's say I put 10 drives, 10 one terabyte drives in a system, and they're in a RAID 10. Okay? I only get five drives to use because the other five are going to be used to mirror those first five drives and then out of those five drives that I get to use okay those are striped so I'm getting five terabytes of space there but I had to buy ten hard drives to get the space of five hard drives like I said it's highly redundant and it's great but you really got to spend the money to get the space you want because you're going to have to pretty much duplicate everything that you need. So, so, like I said, you back up everything in your agency and your business, you know, over the network each night, every five minutes, however you want to do it. And it goes to a SAN that's out on the network. And then that SAN has got, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 hard drives in it, depending on the size of your SAN. And it's probably running in a RAID 10. And so that way, if your computer fails, I can restore a file from that SAN to you. If hard drives fail on that SAN, I'm still up and running and can access that data and swap out drives while the system's live to keep that up and running as well. Mm -hmm. So now, Clyde, you had mentioned disaster recovery sites. And obviously, you don't want your disaster recovery site to be where your main site is because if your site burns down, so does the DR. So... You put your DR far, far away from wherever your data center is currently located. And basically, it's a lot more complicated than this, but I'm going to say it's going to be just a duplicate of your data center. And everything is mirroring itself over to this other disaster recovery data center. Mm -hmm. It costs a lot of money because you're now duplicating all of your hardware. But... And here's another great topic for another program, Clyde, but um, a lot of things are going VM now. Um, most of what we run is all VM-based, and virtual machines make it a lot easier to back up everything that you have because I can have one server running 10 virtual servers inside of it, and I'm just grabbing a single file that is that virtual server and backing that up to a SAN somewhere. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like a ghost in a way, but it's way more convenient. You can push it back out there in a lot less time to bring a machine back up. I can move it to a different machine if I'm starting to have hardware fail. I can bring it up on any other VM platform, you know, within the confines of, I went with this brand, now I'm kind of tied to their brand, but... Typically, in an enterprise situation, if you've chosen to go with uh, VMware, which is probably the most popular out there, you're only going to be able to restore those back into a VMware environment, uh, whether it be vSphere or ESXi or whatever, what have you. Clyde, anything yes. else with backups? Um, Something I yeah. missed, kinds I've missed, uh, things you've seen, weird things you've seen? Um. 
two things I want to mention on. Yeah, going back to that, uh, you know, your your disaster recovery site. Um, you know, just so the customer knows, yeah, you're duplicating servers, disk, and communications. So you're talking about networks there too. Um, so yeah, that 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 price obviously uh, climbs high, and then you're talking about a cold cold site or a hot site, so that if your building burns down, it can switch on over, and your and your business is still operating with you know hardly a hiccup. Or are you gonna if it's a cold site, are you calling in administrators and they have to do some work like uh, we would have had to do for uh, PeopleSoft? when I was there. The other thing is I want to str- I, I just want to say this for other customers out there is just because you go with a server that's mirrored or even a computer that's mirrored or RAID 5, RAID 6, RAID 10, whatever it is or just a bunch of just a bunch of drives. Don't ever think that you will never go down. Um, one of the important things with the server enterprise class servers and SCSI hard drives is they plug in, they're hot swappable because they plug into a SCSI backplane. Right there is a single point of failure on a lot of servers, and you can buy, you can get servers with another, with a redundant SCSI backplane, um, but again, you're increasing your costs. So if you spend that money, don't ever, ever, ever think that you, uh, you know, that server is going to be up all the time. I mean, you've got, power supplies that go out quite commonly and servers come with redundant power supplies and like I just said SCSI backplanes redundant multiple redundant items in servers at least enterprise class servers not not the smaller businesses but I just wanted to make that point for the well, customers out there even the home user like you said though like laptops now you can buy with two hard drives in them that are rated and that's all well and great don't think that that's your backup and you're good for life you drop that laptop or somebody steals it, or your house burns down, or you flood, or what have you, both those hard drives are in the same place. If one's going to burn up in a blaze of glory, the other one's going with it. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's a good idea to have internal hardware backups in case something fails hardware-wise, but you got to have that other option out there that's not where this equipment is um, and DR sites have been around for as long as I can remember. Uh, maybe not to the level that people are going with them these days, uh, but they're very important to critical infrastructure and large enterprise. Um, you know, this is every state has a DR site, um, you know, state government, because, <laughs> you know, not only do you have how many thousands of state employees, that's their accounting, their payroll, um, their records, their files, every agency, every business tied to them, everything. If you lost that in one shot, I'm pretty sure you'd collapse. <laughs> I mean, end, end of business, close up shop, shut the doors, board up the windows. <laughs> At the point where you lose everything that you have on everybody and personnel records and, like I said, your payroll and, and all your files, you lose all of that in one shot due to a fire, I don't know, that's your own fault and you're stupid for doing it. <laughs> so <laughs> have a DR site, people. Backups, backups, backups. Um, the, the cost of doing backups is not worth the cost of a loss of data to your organization in money or time or the personal headache and losing all of your music, videos, family pictures, in Mikey's case, collections of whatever it is you may be downloading in your free time. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not worth losing it. I mean, it's not. Put out the $60 a year and pay an online service to host all your shit and then let them worry about having the hardware and having to maintain that and make sure all that's backed up. And I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. I'm pretty sure if Carbonite or Moxie or somebody had everybody's data backed up to it and then they weren't backing up their own data center and had a DR site and they crashed and went down because their building started on fire, I'm pretty sure they'd have a big lawsuit on their hands at that point. So, lawsuits have happened that way. Yes, absolutely they have. Um, cloud providers even before it became the cloud 
you know, promised that and then never guaranteed those SLAs. Cutting corners on their end. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe tomorrow I'll find some of those stories and we can post those out there too. If any administrator tells you, hey, you should do this or you should do this, more than likely it's not their software they're pushing and they're just worried about you and you should do it. Right. Listen to your system administrators, folks. They know what's best. Right. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't make guarantees for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we t- we've talked about that subject. Yes, we have. I- I'm still curious if we're going to roll that subject into a podcast someday. Are we talking about the quality of system administrators? Yeah. Uh, or the quality of company that you work for and the people that you have to work with. It's a hard subject to talk about without bringing up specific people. We can just give them all fake names. Well, for me, <laughs> anyone hears this, they're going to think that I'm just grinding that axe, and I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it'd, it'd be fun. You've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. There but... was there was a reason you left your job in North Dakota and pursued the same path, but ended up being out of state. Uh, and most of it was because of the people you had to work with and the level of administrators that they weren't. Um, it wasn't all of it, but it was a part of it, yes. Considering I had to cover for people. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fact of life. But as we know, as we're talking about, you know, I'm finding out what I want and what I don't want. So, it is what it is, you know. It's, that's anything. Anyone, any of our listeners that does a job, though, they or, or a career, or has their own business. You know, there's certain things that they like about their jobs and certain things that they don't. And there's certain things that you do with pride and certain things that you don't. But that's one thing that I will say. You, me, um, pretty much any of my good friends that I trust, I know that if, you know, they follow that adage. And they don't say it, but they follow that adage. If you're going to do a job, do it well. Right. And... It's not something that you ingrain in someone. It's just something that you know. It's if you like doing it, you do it well. Well, and and to a point, too, if you're choosing to stay where you're at and still put up with the things that you don't like, still try and do your job to the best of your abilities. I heard somebody say once that you don't want to be the reason that you got let go. Um, whether that statement makes sense or not, I, in my head it, it kind of does. Um, <laughs> you know, people let go because they're not worth a shit. And they don't do their job and they don't do their work and, you know, whatever. That was their own fault. You don't want to be the reason that something happens to you in your job. Do, do your job the best that you can to the best of your abilities and hope that that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I read they do in in Japan? Cane people. <laughs> wow, this got this podcast got dark, folks. <laughs> we are suddenly talking about caning people. And I, I guarantee you if I was allowed to cane people at the office, shit would get done a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> I think people were were worried where I worked that they were going to get caned. Um but anyways, what I read it was uh I forget where I read it at. I should check the check this so Take this with a grain of salt. But I read that in Japan, what they do with the company, you realize they made a mistake with an employee by hiring someone or that person just isn't working out. They will take them, put them in a room with absolutely nothing and basically just have them wait it out until they're just bored and they quit out of boredom. I mean, no internet, no phone, no computer. <laughs> so so they, they don't, don't have, have to fire them and then pay. for letting them go. What's that? So that they don't have to be responsible for letting them go? And pay for the benefits. <laughs> yes. That's smart. I know some people I'd like to put in a room with nothing in it. <laughs> yeah, but those people would make friends. With the wall or paint or something. <laughs> that is true. We digressed way too much from backups. No, no, this is good. This is what I like. I think people would like this too. Absolutely. But it's a larger conversation for another time. So uh, with that being said, I think we're at the end of our podcast for the week. 
Backups, 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 people. Make sure you're doing them. Make sure you have them. Don't be the reason that you lost your own shit out of your own stupidity. Yeah, don't be the reason your company... Don't be the reason why you're asking your IT guy or system administrator how long it's going to take and when he's going to get you up when he already tried to warn you six months ago. Right. Or, and as, as a quick story, if... And, and this is something we were talking about today, Rusty. If... You have a program and they say, hey, it's time to upgrade. Make sure to talk to that system admin too. I've talked about how flat files will go from from just flat files to databases. And if you don't talk to that system administrator or that IT person that's helping you and you upgrade a program and all of a sudden you have a database on your system he doesn't know about, that's not getting backed up. Right. You have to manually do backups, folks. Yes. They just don't make themselves happen. The backup fairy doesn't come and sprinkle backup dust all over your machine. <laughs> Somebody has to do that work. And that's us. <laughs> so that, That's all I've got. All right. Uh, my apologies to Eric Mugas. We didn't have enough time today to fit him in. So I just Jimmy Kimmel'd his ass, Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> I was Think, confused there for a second. Yep. And then, yes, I love You get that. it? You get it? I get it. He's Matt Damon in this scenario. Matt Damon! (laughs) All right, folks. I'll see you next week. Live from the dining room with Clyde Kane Whitman here (laughs) in-house. Looking forward to it. And maybe Jared. (laughs) Looking even more forward to it. Right? Because he knows nothing about computers. That should be interesting. And that will even go even further off topic for anyone that wants to listen. I know. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) <laughs> All right, folks. See you later. Bye.